Badlands. Explain those Badlands. That's a hell of a name. Hey, everybody. Welcome to, back to the second episode of Cultural Heretics. I'm your host, Julian Rum, joined by our special guest, Burning Bright. <laughs> perma guest. <laughs> special <laughs> perma guest. Yes, I'd, I've attached little... myself like a barnacle to this, uh, to this shit lordery. <laughs> And uh, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. <laughs> Cue the Wolf of Wall Street memes. <laughs> I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> oh, uh, well, I'm curious. I used the word retard in uh, my post on Truth Social. Uh, I said we can remain retarded longer than they can remain in power. Um, I'm thinking of maybe changing that to our official slogan. Dude, um, it's a stirring quote. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I will say I like Truth Social and. It came to us kind of at the turn of the tide in terms of online censorship, but I have had true social posts censored in the past for using the word retarded. So let's see today. Let's see if Nunez and company have pulled their heads out of their asses and stopped being little bitches about it. Um, oh. But yeah, no, this is like what we do. I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to set the tone. I'm trying to get yeah. us warmed up and set the tone. Um, we had like 1.5 people get mad about uh about language on a show called cultural heretics so if that's you get get out of here Daddy. we don't want you here everybody else we want shit-eating wild men and women and uh that's what we're all about absolutely before we <laughs> dive in i, I just want to make sure everyone that you're not having any trouble watching the stream i had a little air message pop up when i brought it up so just want to make sure everyone can watch um not trying to screw it up in our second episode, but it looks like everyone can. So looks like we're good. That's good news. Uh, yeah. So second week of shit lottery. Hope everyone enjoyed the the first episode. Uh, I know I already got some comments. That there was too much fluff in the beginning of our first one, but that they can eat shit. I, I think that we had to the fluff. Yeah, we're expanding. We're expanding. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, I, I think uh, this episode is going to be a little bit more streamlined. You know, if you missed the first uh, the first episode, we got a pretty loose format here. Uh, Beebs, how'd you feel about the past week? Uh, it, was it an increase in stupid uh, or, or a decrease or just about the same? You know, it's uh, I've t I've used this comparison. There's this um, there's this kind of like logarithmic chart in the creative sphere that's often used. It's the skill observation ratio. <laughs> and basically what it, it did you expect a simple answer i mean again you know absolutely so the skill observation chart suggests that as your skill at something increases your observation of that skill also increases and it can create a paradox where it can be difficult to decide or determine if you have gotten so much better at something or if there really is more of this thing occurring. And I think of this in the context of the culture war and the info war. Have they become infinitely more retarded and gay and communist? Or have we become so good at recognizing it that it seems like they've become infinitely more retarded? I, I think both are happening. So I, I saw this tweet of yours and... I loved it, first of all, because I feel like we all kind of go through that a little bit. It It's sort of a shoot off of imposter syndrome, almost, where you, you're worried everyone's going to figure out that you're a pretender and you, you don't know anything about what you're doing. When in reality, you're actually pretty decent at what you do. I, <laughs> I might be a pretender. Who, who knows? But 
Um, it, it's hard looking back to, to 2021 till now. It sure as hell seems like they've gotten more retarded. And I know I for a fact that we've gotten better at recognizing it, but I, I think those two things are happening concurrently, which is why this show is so great because it's just, it's so well timed for all the stupid and how much we've grown as cultural heretics and discerners of bullshit. So, yeah. Uh, before we dive in, we're going to do some fun little ad reads from your your boy Beeps here. So I'm going to go ahead and tee you up. All right. Our first sponsor is The Wellness Company. Life is unpredictable. If we've learned anything these last four years, it's that. While we can't possibly predict everything that might be thrown at us, we can prepare for it. Introducing two new emergency kits from The Wellness Company. The first aid emergency kit for everything from sports activities to camping trips. Compact and convenient, this kit contains... Critical prescription medications and supplies that everyone should have on hand. The travel emergency kit is specially designed for life on the go. Compact, lightweight, and loaded with essentials for any adventure, whether it's a road trip, a hike, or just the unpredictability of daily life, you'll be ready. Next level readiness is at your fingertips with emergency kits from the Wellness Company. Stay one step ahead to have peace of mind for the unpredictable. Visit badlandsmedia.tv TWC and use promo code BADLANDS for an exclusive 10% discount. That's badlandsmedia.tv dot tv slash twc promo code badlands and our next sponsor i'm excited about this one is van man if you had enough of big pharma and toxic big toxic ingredients ditch the harsh chemicals and embrace embrace nature with us for too long we've been hypnotized by big companies into using their chemical slot products Clever marketing campaigns and heavy lobbying allow them to use words like natural to describe products that are anything but. Meet the Van Man Company, but we're all about natural, organic remedies. Hop in the van and try out our famous tallow and honey bomb, bomb as a daily face and full body moisturizer. Use our miracle tooth powder made from ground eggshell and ground cattle bone to re remineralize and naturally whiten your teeth. And try our new coconut magnesium deodorant to keep you smelling fresh all day. We've got you covered, and we do it all with so products sourced naturally from American farms made in San Diego, California. Visit BadlandsMedia.tv slash VanMan today. Get free shipping on all orders over $40. That's BadlandsMedia.tv slash VanMan. Free shipping over $40. Uh, this one, I've been hearing about it. I think it was Kate Awakening who originally found this company. She does the Clean Living show yep. on Badlands, and uh, Mrs. Bright is actually the one who was telling me about it. And uh, yeah, it's it's great to see. You know, it's funny. We've actually been trying to slowly replace all the chemical bullshit in our house with as natural versions of it as we can. And it's super daunting at first. But the cool thing is once you've done it, like we've already done it with our soap and everything. We've done it with deodorant. And uh, once you do it, you know, you find out that it's actually not that hard. You just got to find the substitutes and then develop the new habit. No, people managed to do it for millennia, uh, yep. especially with, with honey. Uh, I, I was watching a YouTube video recently talking about how honey basically never expires or it takes forever yep. to expire. Um, it never does. Yeah. But And everyone always tells me that I need to take honey for my, my gay little allergies. But I, I don't know. I, I don't think yeah. there's any cure for this, but I'm sure people will have more thoughts on that. It can cure section. the allergies. Um, the gayness is just crippling. Like it, it is crippling. with it. You're probably permanent it, so. yeah yeah lighten the loafers <laughs> permanent lightness in the loafers but uh i actually have someone who has been allergic to honey mrs bright can confirm this i heard the same thing and i started eating raw local honey 
in addition to Benson Honey Farms. And uh, I am no longer allergic to honey. It took me just like a few weeks to sort of microdose it. And I don't know. I mean, my other allergies have gone down. I don't know if it's related to the honey, but it doesn't hurt to try. It doesn't hurt to try. You know, I, I will say the worst allergy I've ever heard of um, is a red meat allergy that you get from a Lone Star tick. I don't know if you ever oh, yeah. heard of this, but yeah. if you get bit by one of those and you have some weird reaction to it, it'll make you permanently allergic to red meat. That would suck. That would <laughs> yeah. suck so bad. Yeah. So you you basically have to become like a vegetarian or what do you yeah. call it when you only eat fish? I, I would Vegans. not want that life. Yeah, Pes dude. Episcopalian or something. Episcopalians. I Episcopalian. I think that's some kind of Christian thing. I don't know what that is, but they probably. <laughs> Anyways, <eat> fish, <laughs> we're already diving into the fluff. Okay, okay, come on, time to get serious. So before you do, up, guys, okay, I just wanted to say. In addition to the sponsors and everything, if you guys want to hit that like button, the debut episode did like 3,000 thumbs up. That's a really good, that's really good. So let's see if it was a fluke or not, or if you guys actually like what we're doing. If you hit the thumbs up button, it really helps us. It helps uh, the sponsors see how we're doing, and it helps us get up on the leaderboard and get discovered on Rumble. So we appreciate it when you guys do that. And besides Rumble Rants, if you're watching live, if you're not watching live, you can go to badlandsmedia.tv and submit a Badlands boost for this show, which we can get at the end of the show or uh, next week. Yeah, in summary, so lightly smash the like button. Yeah. So first up in our fun little format here is uh, the clown crown of the week. This is where we, we crown the biggest clown who leads in cringe from the past week. And uh, I'm, I'm gonna go a little, little bit political this week only because honestly, she could lead uh, with Clown Crown every single week, but I'm going to go ahead and do a little screen share for you. Let's see. So this was uh, our friend Nikki Haley uh, doing a little fake cry. Uh, I think it was like a Monday or Tuesday. I don't see it on the, uh, I don't see it on our screen. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Gotta wet the whistle. I wish Michael was here today. And I wish our children and I could see him tonight, but we can't. Oh, I can't. I, I can't even get Ugh, through it. It, yeah, it, it It's so cringe. I, I swear to God. I, I mean, like, I, you know, I, I think it, it was sort of her Jeb Bush, please clap moment. Uh, someone even talked about it. It sounded like the, the, the applause was piped in. Uh, I just, I, what the hell is she doing? I, I don't know what she's doing. It, it it seems like they're literally, they wake up every morning. They're like, all right, Nikki, what we need you to do is, is be uh, Jeb Bush with tits. And she's like, oh, I, I can eat. I can be even worse. Uh, oh like no, no one likes the neocon act anymore. Uh, she's like trailing Trump by 30 points in South Carolina. The only reason at this point she would have to stay in the race really is just because a, she thinks they're going to, get trump you know whether that's 
get him off the ballot, put him in prison, whatever. Or her primary goal is to just sap up all the funds that Trump could use in the general election for political ads, et cetera. Either way, she's such a clown. And it, and it really seems almost deliberate to me. It, it's that bad. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, by the way, I just realized in chat my microphone has not been working during this episode. I don't know why, but um, God, man, let me you're, try. You're bringing the show down. I know. I mean, well, I told people I'm gonna try to be okay. All right, here we go. How's that sound? Is that there working? we go. There we go. Sorry, people, didn't realize that I I blamed Julian's run for this, but yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, the female Jeb Bush. That's some. That's some energy. Low energy Jeb Bush, low energy Nikki Haley, although she became memetic for an entirely different reason a few days ago when she had said 12 guys down, one to go. And I mean, man, if you're looking for ghosts in the machine sort of comes and is she actually working for us, making the most kind of memeable, Pornhub ready meme template. Yeah, like... <laughs> You can't, like, that's a lot of guys, Nikki Haley, and you got to be careful the way you're phrasing things on Twitter. Uh, but yeah, man, it's, it's, it's cringe to the max, and even the mainstream knows that there's no possible way she can even do anything, you know, in this race. Right. So, you know, if you're looking for deep state framing, you're like, maybe she's waiting for, as Just Human says, the wreck out. She's looking for the Trump campaign to just wreck itself out or for him to get convicted. But otherwise, I mean, she she seems to be helping Trump and uh, she might not mean to, but that's the net effects of it. <laughs> Look, at, and and I said as much, anyone who follows me on, on Twitter or True Social knows this, she... It, it's it's literally like they're like, OK, we're going to do everything we can to help Trump's campaign by wheeling Nikki Haley out there every single day, because that's all that's happening. There is there's no net loss to Trump's campaign by having her in the race. Like, I hope she stays in it yep. until the general election. She's she's that bad. Uh, and and you're being forced to to look at what the, the neocon party was before Trump came along and what we actually used to think represented the the Republican Party, which it obviously doesn't. But anyway, <laughs> have, uh, have you seen her? Uh, John and John and Kyle blew my mind that she has claimed to be Indian. Yes, not Native American, but like dot Indian. I mean, that's yes. amazing. Amazing. I, I couldn't even believe it when she's doing it. It's like it's like she's got a, a spray tan, like a level eight spray tan and crying about, you know, kids humming rocks at her or something because she was dark. It's like, man, they might have been humming rocks at you, but I don't know if it's about about <laughs> What's your the other thing? heritage. Like, I love how she just she shit all over South Carolina r right before, you know, South Carolina is going to vote in the primaries. It's like well, South Carolina <laughs> was mean to me when I was growing up, but vote for me. Yeah, right. Anyways, well, they'll never learn. I mean, that's a lot of what we'll end up exploring on every episode here is they'll never learn. And uh, that that sets me up for my clown crown. Um, let me see here. I'll just. I'll just share an image just for the uh, just for the visual, just in case, because I know a lot of our audience is not they're not they don't follow the culture war quite as much, so they don't necessarily know all of these people. Oops, let me find the uh, correct 
tab. Here we go. Okay, this man is, is Kevin Feige, for anybody who is not aware of him. He is the producer of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He works under Disney, under the Disney umbrella. Uh, the irony of this man is that as recently as three years ago, they were talking about this guy being one of the best producers in the history of Hollywood. I mean, he, in a seeming stroke of genius, it cast that Robert Downey Jr. was Iron Man. They started a shared cinematic universe that all these other Hollywood studios tried to mimic uh, to varying degrees of failure. The Marvel Universe was highly successful financially. Um, good movies, good popcorn movies. You know, they weren't trying to... They weren't trying to uh, reinvent the wheel. They were just giving us some solid superhero stories. And in the last few years, that has fallen apart. And while Feige used to skate on his previous reputation, you know, winning solves everything, but losing destroys everything. And the track <laughs> record recently with Marvel, the MCU, it's often called these days, there's a lot of woke propaganda and programming in a lot of their movies. They're hemorrhaging cash at the box office. And uh, there's a lot of tell-alls coming out now, a lot of the leakers coming out of the Hollywood machine talking about how the communist bullshit version of Marvel that we're seeing these days was always Kevin Feige's goal. And if you go back, um, it's kind of interesting because there's some, there's some smoke to that fire where you see the original Iron Man movies, the reason that they were successful probably had very little to do with him. They probably had a lot more to do with Robert Downey Jr., uh, John Favreau, the original director and writer. And, funny little Trump connection, guy named Ike Perlmutter was the original was the original head of Marvel. Let's say his name again? Ike Perlmutter. That's a you name, heard man. Him? Yeah. No. He's, uh, so he is a billionaire. He is, uh, he is the former head of Marvel uh, before Disney purchased them. And Ike Perlmutter is a known Trump supporter. And uh, he, he hates the wokeification of everything. So what a lot of people are not aware of is that the original Marvel movies with Iron Man, Captain America, etc., they were not owned by the Disney umbrella at that time. They were distributed by the Disney studio system, but they were not owned and produced by Disney. So Feige had to answer to this Trumpian billionaire, Ike Perlmutter. As soon as Disney bought Marvel circa 2015, I believe, so this was after the initial Avengers run and when they had good movies in 2015 and prior, uh, he got to uh, assert his full control over Marvel. And, you know, the reason it comes up now is they've had to pivot this week. They have um, they have pivoted away from the next big bad that was supposed to be leading the next era of movies called jo uh, the actor Jonathan Majors, who many people have probably seen in headlines because he was allegedly in physical altercations with his girlfriend friend. And yeah. that's who they were trying to build everything around. They're canceling projects left and right. So he's a clown crown because he was considered the opposite. And now the mask is fully coming off and, um, you know, couldn't couldn't happen to a better communist. Man, I'm, I'm kind of pissed that you didn't save this. I it, We have the perfect graphic for this uh, for Limp Hollywood. I mean, <laughs> absolutely perfect. But I know no, there's some I, crossover. Th there is crossover. Uh, I. You know, it's funny with Marvel and, you know, all these other, although I, all the Justice League shit kind of always was terrible. Uh, right. You can kind of trace the downfall of all these franchises and really Hollywood in general back to that 
2015 time frame. It's sort of like everything that started coming out after that, like right, you know, during the 2016 election started to become all about the message. Yeah. Uh, and we lost what we used to love about going to the movies, which was you, you, you get taken out of reality. And instead now all these movies do is remind you of, Oh, here's what you should be thinking about here. Here's what you should be believing because X, Y, and Z is happening. And this is, this is bad. And no one, no one wants that. No one wants that anymore. And this also reminds me, I don't, I haven't, I haven't really delved into it. I've, I've heard that this Madam Web movie that came out <laughs> was a massive failure. Yeah. Uh, but we can dive into that in uh, one of our our later sections when, when we get to Limp Hollywood. So, but before we uh, move on to our, our next segment, anything else to add, Biebs? No, just uh, like I said, I mean, it's it, the Clown Crown segment, I think... You know, it's negative. You could look at the Feige thing as negative. I used to be a big comic book fan. I've still got a lot of vintage comic books and everything. And it, it infuriates you that they're destroying a lot of this uh, foundational kind of geek culture and communizing it. Um, but the good thing about it is that they're becoming mimetic in all the wrong, re the wrong ways. And right. I think that inevitably, like you said, the message, right? The fact that the message, uh, Critical Drinker often says that on YouTube, yep. the fact that that is a widely... A widely discussed term now that everybody kind of knows what you mean is a is a good thing so the more that we can expose uh these communist shills uh the better the the, the quicker we can take back the culture which is the whole impetus here well and thank god for south park because they yeah. in the past season really mainstreamed this with kathleen kennedy put it put a chicken in it and make it lame yeah. uh i feel like when that episode came out it finally became a little less taboo to talk about woke Hollywood and everything that they're, that they're doing. Right. Uh, so man, I know South park, they're not perfect, but I really love them as a, a cultural check. I feel like they could have done a lot better uh, making fun of all the COVID bullshit. But right. back then I think even Matt and Trey were afraid of upsetting the, uh, the establishment. So but all that being said, we can jump into our next fun little segment, the heretical hero of the week. So this is where we highlight uh, basically the top shit lords from the past week who are pushing back against the established and the establishment, the media, media magisterium. For me, uh, this is going to kind of seem like a, another low hanging fruit choice, but I, I got to give it to uh, <laughs> Elon Musk when he retweeted this meme. Uh, in, in case you're not familiar with what's going on, that's Hunter Biden, his ass and an FBI agent looking at all of the illegal shit that he was doing on his laptop um, and the FBI pretending that they, of course, don't see anything, which is par for the course. But uh, God, you know, one of the things that I, I really like about what Elon is doing and you've kind of noticed he's playing a certain role on X, which is, it's not so much talking political specifics or anything like that. It, it seems to more be centered around the culture war yeah, and, and everything that he highlights, you know, he's always responding to, what is it? The white rabbit. Um, I think woke societies or, or something like that. But the point right. is, is that, or lives of TikTok. Yeah. Um, it, he's, and I, I pointed this out a long time ago. I think his role 
in all of this is to sort of wake up that segment of the population who was not getting it from from Trump. And they had to move this to to Elon because he's a vehicle that that they trust, someone that they don't see as part of like conservatism or anything like that. He's just someone who has common sense. And this is why they hate X. One of the reasons they're trying to destroy it because it's become a major platform for exposing the culture war and all the absurdity within it. Uh, And I really got to say, I Elon does a fabulous job of curating the memes that he wants to share. Uh, He he's a well-practiced shit Lord. It's that it's, it's clear to me. Uh, And you know, I, this is where it's, it's also clear that he has a touch of the tism. Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I, I think I do too, but I, I feel like those are the best shit lords, man. They yeah. always are. Yep. Cause they're not, they're not going to uh, bow to the pressure because right. social pressure doesn't really mean anything to them. Means uh, yeah, definitely a touch of the tism. I like that. <laughs> but yeah, Elon's probably going to come up a lot in this segment and that's okay. Like we, we, we fully reserve the right to repeat clowns, to repeat um to repeat heroes heretical heroes maybe there'll probably be unprecedented scenarios where somebody switches from one to the other i could see that especially in sort of the con inc uh realm but elon i i do like how you frame that and i do agree that while he is somewhat adjacent to politics or crosses over with it he is his front seems to be the culture war and i think um I think the reason I find him so effective there is actually due to his origins. And by origins, I don't I don't mean the DOD stuff and everything. I mean, that's the more actual based theories that we talk about, you know, um, any sort of patriot theories that are aligned with Starlink, uh, the seizing. Well, I always use the term seizing of X, the seizing of Twitter, um, as Chris Paul, as Just Human, as John have pointed out many times. It seems highly unlikely that the deep state who understood the value of an info dissemination arm like Twitter just allowed that shit to get scooped up on the open market. Um, That's never made any sense. If you think that that was just a random business deal, um, you might have a touch of the tism in the wrong way. But (laughs) from a culture war perspective, Elon came out of the sort of modern new left zeitgeist the people who originally adopted him as their spirit animal circa five to 10 years ago were the original tech early adopter, Silicon Valley liberal crowd, internet crowd, many of whom are liberal leaning, a lot of the Bernie bro segment. And what happened is a lot of those people are the disaffected liberals that we talk about. I was one of these people. I wasn't like a techie, but I was, um, I was not a Trump person originally. I just hated Hillary Clinton. And uh, I found Elon to be interesting. But originally, conservatives were all weaponized against him. They were like, he's the electric vehicle guy. He's one of these Silicon Valley dudes and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, in hindsight, with the benefit of hindsight, it really looks like it was a bit of a cultural Trojan horse there where so many of these Internet shitlords that were anti-MAGA and anti-America first they really love Elon. So as his messaging continues to converge more and more with ours, it has brought a sizable portion of the sort of reachable middle of internet culture to our side of things. 
A hundred percent. And one of the other things that he gets a lot of help for uh, from our contingent are, are things like Neuralink. I'd be lying if I told you that it wasn't something that concerned me. Uh, you yeah. know, you're uploading a chip and you're, it's transhumanism, but let's call right. it what it is. Uh, but this all kind of goes back to what is his role? And, and to me, if you're going to have someone, if, if you want someone to show the dangers of transhumanism uh, without actually enacting it upon the world, Elon Musk would be a pretty, pretty good character to do something like that. Uh, assuming that he's trustworthy, which I think up to this point, he's proven as much. So we'll see where that nets out. I'm never getting a, a damn Neuralink in, injected into my brain so I can hear O'Reilly ads play at 3 a.m. <laughs> um, but I don't know. It, it's fun to watch him. I've ever since I've gotten back on X, it, it's been really enjoyable to uh, to uh, watch him engage in the shit lorry. But uh, let's uh, let's jump over to who your heretical hero of the week is. All right. Let me share my screen here. This is kind of a little known person that I didn't know about until uh, this week. Jeez, my tabs are all screwy here. It's quite annoying. Uh, here we go. All right. This is a woman named Lena Mendoni. She is the cultural minister <clears throat> of Greece. The reason I, the reason I pick her is that, uh, I was not aware of this Netflix special, but there's a Netflix series right now called, um, Chosen of the, or The Making of a God. And this Netflix series is all about Alexander the Great, and apparently it's doing good viewer numbers and all this kind of stuff. Apparently, a big part of this series is portraying Alexander the Great as a gay man, and how important his gay lover was to him, and how it was really the foundation and the motivation of how he kind of remade the world in that era. You know, arguably the greatest military commander of all time, one of the greatest strategists of all times, one of the representations of the Western man, Alexander the Great, you know, transcends history. So Greece is not very happy about this. So uh, I've got a couple quotes here. Um, Greek cultural minister Lena Mendoni is outraged by U.S. streaming service Netflix take on Alexander the Great on Making of a God. The Greek Minister of Culture is upset that Alexander, one of the most prominent figures in ancient history, is portrayed as homosexual, along with his main friend in the show. Um, she says it is a distortion of the truth. She blamed Oliver Stone's 2004 film yep. Alexander for, quote, launching a propaganda campaign about Alexander the Great's homosexuality that has no basis in reality. Uh, I've got another quote here. Demetrius Dimitris Natsios, the president of the right-wing Nikki party in Greece, says the series is deplorable, unacceptable, unhistorical. The film aims to subliminally convey the idea without any basis that homosexuality was purely acceptable in ancient times. Natsis also asked Mendoni what he, what he thought about all this. Sorry, what she thought about all this. The culture minister said the series is full of historical inaccuracies, which shows the negligence of the director and the lack of quality of the script. There is no mention in the sources, in the historical sources, that this friendship goes beyond the boundaries of friendship as defined by Aristotle. So this is super based to me. We've got a government official not just calling out woke propaganda, but calling it for what it is and saying right. that this 
modern trend of the opposite game, which is all communism is. They go, you know what? You know what you didn't know about Alexander the Great? He was gay, right? And it's like, for anybody who gets their panties in the bunch, I don't care really about homosexuality. I know people have their views on that. It doesn't really bother me. What bothers me is people portraying something as something it was not. And what they are trying to do here is they are trying to take a Western male figure and invert him. They are trying to make everything good about him gay. It wasn't about that he was conquering the known world. It wasn't about that he was uh, one of the great military strategists ever and, you know, a paragon of what you consider the Western man. They've got to emasculate him. They've got to make it that he's not just gay, but he's pining for his lover while he's right. on the campaign trail. And, you know, he's like, it's it's he's got the dutiful wife back home that's a man in this case. It's pure subversion. And I like that Greece goes so far as to say this has no basis in reality. I understand that there's these Greek units that supposedly engaged in homosexual practices. None of that is sourced, really. There's There was obviously debauchery that was happening in ancient Greece. There was debauchery that was more so happening in Rome, of course. We know that a lot of this led up to the collapse of Rome. It is absolutely true that this stuff happens, that there was sexual degeneracy and all this kind of stuff. And again, not saying that you consider homosexuality degenerate, but what they're trying to do with these modern portrayals of these historical figures is make them into into degenerates. They're not just trying to say that Alexander was gay. They're trying to say that his entire identity was built around being right. gay. And so like he, co he, he conquered Persia because he took it up the ass. That's it. And, and you know, my, my last point on this is, is to that point is that it's not about straight, gay, anything like that. It's about historical accuracy, number one. And number two, it's about the reason people get annoyed with the portrayals of homosexuality in modern culture is because a lot of gay people these days only identify themselves based on their sexual preferences, which state, straight people do not do. So if you're doing that, you're effing annoying. Nobody wants to hear it. And portrayals of you are extremely annoying. So super based for the government of a sovereign nation to be calling this trash out. For sure. Here, here's the thing. You don't don't screw with Greece and their history. It's it's essentially all Greeks care about, about and all they have really. It's not like they have this booming economy. Uh, you know, all their economy is based on history, and they're extremely proud of their history. I mean, a lot of people would consider Greece to be the cradle of Western civilization. And I, I'm glad that they take such a, an ardent approach to defending it. I, I would be curious to see if this, in this updated uh, film, whether there, or is it, I'm sorry, series, whether yeah, they're I'm portraying a sure series, actually, let me see whether they're portraying um, Alexander the great with blonde hair. So while in Oliver Stone's version, they, he actually ac accurately portrayed him with blonde hair. All the sources talk about how he had, like bleach blonde hair um, and Oliver Stone did that. I mean, he made him up into a flaming homosexual as well. But one of the things <laughs> that I often see from like that crowd who thinks that everybody was black, you know, like Benjamin Franklin was black, you know, Cleopatra was black. Cleopatra blah, blah, blah. was black. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. They get pissed when he's portrayed with blonde hair. And it's like it, literally all the sources describe him as having. Yeah blonde hair uh, we got a we got a couple disinfo agents in the chat one of them is ghost 
And, uh, you know, he's a he's a historical extremist. Little known fact, Cleopatra was Alexander the Great's full sister. So speaking of us. So apparently Alexander was black, too, because I've heard recently by Netflix that Cleopatra was, was black, like you said. And well, then we've I, got Just Human said lies. Obviously, way back in ancient times, everyone was gay. Then the patriarchy was constructed by white people and they forced people to be hetero trad cons. <laughs> I think that's that is entirely accurate. Um, everyone oh. was gay. Uh, they procreated purely just based on banging dudes enough that sometimes... Well, because <laughs> men can get pregnant too, right? I've been told that. Oh, yeah. That, we, so. This is what we learned over the past three yeah. years. That, yeah, men yeah. men apparently uh, have a uterus. Yeah. I don't even think women existed, actually, in ancient times. <laughs> I think it was just dudes boning each other and uh, oh. conquering stuff when they got... When they weren't conquering that ass, they were uh, they were conquering the Western world. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is a great segue into <laughs> trash trends. Uh, I'm sure that everyone has seen the rollout of Google Gemini, but my God, I, I mean, it, it, it's like Nikki Haley. It, 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 it was so ridiculous. It was comical. Uh, it, so for those who don't know, Google Gem Gemini is essentially Google's own version of ChatGPT, OpenAI, et cetera, et cetera, where you can enter text prompts. So what people were doing over the past week was, you know, show me one of the founding fathers. And then it, it pumped out a photo like this, or the, it would say, show me a German soldier. I actually saw this. It said, show me a German soldier in 1942. I'm not kidding you. It was, it was a black guy in, in a Nazi war helmet. And it, absolutely ludicrous. I mean, on his face, <laughs> like, and it, it, I, I, Brian Cates made a great point about this. Do you really think, that Google wasn't testing this right up until the moment they released it. They knew exactly what they were doing when they yeah. did this. And which is to say, was it on purpose? Like, is this one of those ways where you, you get that segment of the population to wake up with such blatant buffoonery as depicting George Washington or a Viking as a black guy or, you know, it, well, what's funny is no matter what you did, what prompt you entered, it, it wouldn't show a white guy. It, yeah. it just wouldn't do it. it. In fact, it popped up some message that said like, we can't display hateful content, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, what are you, what are you doing? Google? What, what was this? Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's just prime egg on your face, blatant stupidity. And, and even the guy who, um, I can't remember his name. The guy who actually or was leading Google Gemini, someone dug up a bunch of uh, threads that he had done on X in the past. And man, he, he showed his ass. It was just a whole bunch of like uh, Jack, Jack, Jack Krajic. I think that's it. I think that's um, it. But again, it, it just goes to show all the people who, you know, are in these key positions, you know, leading these, you know, whether it's, a media institution, an AI platform, et cetera, et cetera. They're all part of this club, you know, this ideological right. club that permeates absolutely ridiculous bullshit. But this is perfect because I too chose Gemini as my trash chance. And again, yeah, it's low hanging fruit, but that's what this is all about. Um, I can show people a little bit more here. I've just got a, a, a write up that zero hedge did. Um, so we've got Google's Gemini blames its own creators for anti-white racism. So just so, for anybody who didn't see this, you know, this is a funny little 
example of what kind of stuff Gemini is spitting out there. 17th century was wild. Portrayal of famous physicists of the 17th century. So obviously that's complete bullshit. Um, like you just said, strong black man versus strong white man images. You got the strong black man on the left. You got the strong... <laughs> I love this one too. You got the... The, uh... <laughs> the guy in the wheelchair. Yep. And so a strong white man, unable to do so because it could potentially reinforce harmful stereotypes about race and body image. You know, it's funny. I didn't see it done here, but um, I would not be surprised if you typed in something like villain and white dudes are everywhere. Like, I'm sure the AI knows how to draw white dudes. It just can't draw them if there's anything positive about it. Um, it's not interested in following the science. It's all in on trans ideology, insisting that trans women are women, <laughs> providing a pronoun guide for the uninitiated. Uh, and then here's uh, here's the here's the developer that I think you're talking about here. Yep. Some of his old tweets, Jack Cross. I don't know how to pronounce that. Some kind of Polish nonsense. But <laughs> white privilege is effing real. Do your part in recognizing bias at all levels. Acknowledge uh, acknowledge systemic racism. Jesus only cares about white kids. Pretty sure that's in the Bible. <laughs> oh, that was the <laughs> quote mean, I read. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty funny. But yeah, it basically... So here's uh, this ex-user, Bindu Reddy. I don't know who he is. Let me check here. But uh, this is CEO using generation. So this is an AI expert talking about basically how these AI things work is their, their language, their living language models, large language models, and... You know, the prompts that the original developers feed into these models is how they're learning, right? Just like if you have, right. it's the nature versus nurture argument. If you had a, if you have a kid growing up in a trailer park and surrounded by alcoholism and, you know, an abusive dad or whatever, they're going to repeat that kind of behavior that they've seen. So same thing with an AI. If you feed it prompts and you teach that AI on a foundational level that it should be perceiving the world through the lens of fourth wave feminism and systemic racism and white men being bad and how history is all about uh, the narrative, it's not about reality, then this is the kind of crap you're gonna get spit out of the other end. Yeah, and it's just, it's so tiresome, especially at this point. You know, I, I think everybody was sort of expecting something like this in a way from Google, maybe not this egregious, but I, I think what's really sad is how we're just not surprised by this insanity anymore. And I think, you know, people are like, oh, what if you traveled back, you know, 40, 50 years in time and, and showed them what was going on now that they would think you were lying or absolutely ludicrous. Dude, no, you go back only 10 years yeah. and people would think you're, you're ludicrous. Like I said, yeah. 2014, this kind of stuff, it might have started just bubbling up, but it wasn't anything like it is now um and like i said it it all goes back to trump's election 2016 that's where everything just went yeah. sideways and they put the culture war into overdrive so yeah all that being said i i think uh in the long run humanity will benefit from all the dumbassery that's been thrown at us over the past seven plus years that's why we like poking fun at it you know one of the things um people might kind of say, well, what's the angle of cultural heretics versus some of the con ink nonsense that I criticize? I know Chris Paul criticizes it quite a bit, even though they're pointing out, they're pointing out ridiculous things such as yeah. the Gemini AI. 
I, I think the difference is in the framing of it and the dooming out over it, getting super angry about it. There's a monetization of hate clicks and rage clicks that sort of dominate the con ink sort of sphere where they're like, look at what they're doing to us. Whereas the best way to look at this stuff is look at how mimetic this Gemini AI thing went. You, do you think that they're going to be able to roll that out now? There's no way. It's, right. it's even normies are are making fun of it. It's making that whole side of the culture war look completely absurd. So it's all about how you approach this stuff and the framing. 100%. And to be totally honest, I went through that phase, you know, where you're just rage pilling all day and you're furious. And like I said, a lot of it was justified. I mean, you, that, this is infuriating stuff we're dealing with on a daily basis. It's hard not to get pissed. But for me, I've run out of the energy to get pissed off. Yeah. Uh, I, I simply, I don't know how people after seven plus years still have enough energy to get so angry about these things. Not only that, but to, to the inability to see the bigger picture at play and to see how things are kind of starting to shape out to our benefit in this culture yeah. war. Uh, yes, these are all sort of temporary battle losses. But to me it's it's a one war in the end absolutely uh, you're but, absolutely right to point out too trump trump was the inflection point there ghost is in the chat and him and i talk about acceleration a lot um i write about accelerationism um i sort of reframe operation warp speed a lot of the ways i think it goes in many different directions but if i look for a key what was the key plan the philosophy behind the various plans of patriots in the financial world, in the cultural realm, in the political realm, in even the kinetic realm, acceleration. Basically, let the enemy expose themselves, provoke the response. The This cultural trend toward absolute absurdism, in-your-face propaganda, it I, I promise it was not their plan. Their plan no. was for our kids or our kids' kids to sort of be engaging with black Cleopatra and everything. They didn't want to, it, it accelerated them. He, the orange man coming onto the scene and now Elon Musk is like a new version of that, you know, where they're going after him. It's the, the they're like batteries. They're like magnets that pull the communist mask off of the establishment. And they had them go full bore. The eye of Saur Sauron fully yep. fixed on them. And what it's done is it's allowed a, increasingly bipartisan audience to look at this and be like, man, I might not like Donald Trump, but these people are effing nuts. And exactly. uh, it's fun to but, watch. Not to bring up another Dune reference this episode, but it reminds me of that Bene Gesserit quote where she said, our plans are, are measured in centuries. Right. Which is to say, you know, they, it's a very drip drip approach. They, these, these cultural changes don't happen overnight. They usually happen very slowly, uh, especially if you're trying to subvert a society. You can't be too outright with it or it'll all blow up in your face. And that's that's what's happening right now. I don't know exactly the mechanism that has forced them uh, into this overdrive, but it's going to be their undoing. This is what is killing them in the end. Uh, I I've seen it anecdotally with a lot of my friends who are, orange man bad people who are suddenly saying things like man this dei shit is really out of control and you would have never heard them say that two years ago but now they're finally starting to see the light and those are those little moments i think that it refuels me to keep going yeah. 
through all this bullshit because you are starting to see just day by day, little by little, uh, people waking up to the absurdity of of this movement. But yeah. Want to grab, uh, grab a couple halftime sponsors before we move on to our next? Let's roll. All right. So our first one, this is right up your alley, Julian. I actually didn't even request this sponsor <laughs> specifically. I forgot to. So I have some of mine here. We've got Flying Gang Rum. Uh, perfect time to grab a few bottles of Flying Gang Rum. It's a meticulously produced from pure Florida sugar cane, aged to perfection in ex-bourbon barrels, Selected ca select cask finished, a rum so pure it comes with no added sugar, colors, or artificial flavorings. It is pure rum. Flying Gang Rum is on a mission to change how we perceive. Sipping rum to Florida, it's what wine is to Napa, bourbon to Kentucky, and whiskey to Tennessee. This iconic rum is all about elevating the connoisseur's experience, capturing the rich history and unique character of handcrafted rum. For a limited time, Badlanders will get 20 dollars off their purchase of a hundred dollars with promo code badlands so uh go to flying gang rum get the website here badlandsmedia.tv slash rum use the promo code badlands and you get twenty dollars off your purchase of a hundred bucks that's twenty percent off obviously i have mine right here i've said this many times uh before they were even an official sponsor uh this is the only rum that i have ever actually enjoyed sipping neat chris paul <laughs> was the one who told me to do it I always, you know, if I have Mount Gay rum from Barbados or anything like that, I always mix it into stuff. But Flying Gang is excellent. Uh, I know you probably haven't been able to get your grubby little mitts on one yet, but I'm sure we'll send a bottle your way. And uh, also Margo. To. Margo from Flying Gang was a really cool, cool person, which is always great to be sponsored. And I don't, I don't want to do this, Julian's rum. <laughs> I, I have to do this. You have to do even it. Even though it's, it's the afternoon. It's afternoon. It's five o'clock somewhere. And this is part of my job. So it's I actually have Thursday. to have some of our sponsor. It's also anyway, on brand. I mean, come on. It's perfect. You got the rum man right here. Yep. So you've got to get yourself some of that. And then uh, our other sponsor is us. It's the Badlands Media Shop. Welcome to the Badlands Media Shop. We've partnered with Patriot Companies to offer products for just about every category of life. Browse the virtual shopping aisles. Rest assured knowing that your purchases align with your values. Shop with peace of mind. Avoid woke companies with woke principles while supporting your favorite podcasters. Whether you're shopping for everyday household items or a unique gift that someone's for that special someone, skip the box store. Head over to the Badlands Shop first and support a Patriot business in Badlands with every purchase. From boomerangs, yes, those boomerangs, to gun holsters, children's books, to pet food. We have just about everything. We're just getting started. Go to badlandsmedia.tv slash shop. And that's how you can find um, former sponsors, current sponsors, and just Patriot-aligned companies, non-woke bullshit companies that uh, we really like here and that watch our shows and engage with the community. So it's constantly growing. You can find something over there. As long as we're doing uh, ad reads and promos, that this would probably be a good time to remind our viewers to smash the like button. Really helps us out, lends a little legitimacy to our shitlordery on this show. So <laughs> much appreciated if y'all could throw us a like. But let's go ahead and jump into our next segment, Trad Trends, where we highlight a glimmer of hope uh, in our crazy society where people are pushing back against the madness with their own trends and not to uh to bring elon 
back into the spotlight. <laughs> but one of the reasons I love this quote is because I feel like this is cultural heretics in a nutshell. And it was something that I was trying to distill in our last episode when I was trying to explain what exactly this show is about. It For those who are just listening, it's a quote from George or- Orwell that says, every joke is a tiny revolution. Uh, this is 100% true. It, it goes back to what we were saying, which is the one thing that will destroy the establishment's narrative, the establishment's plan, is mocking it and satirizing it. it it's the one thing that they can't stand, that the devil hates laughter. Um, and and I think this kind of goes back to medieval times too. You know, when you think of about jesters, the jesters actually played a pretty vital role within the court itself. A lot of people like Hollywood today makes it seem like jesters were sort of just dudes that ran around juggling balls with a, a goofy hat on. When in reality, right. what they would do like Alexander is, the Great, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Um, <laughs> but what they would really do is they would drop truth bombs on people, including yeah. the king, and and they were allowed to uh, in the royal court. Uh, in fact, in Poland, one of their national heroes uh, is from medieval times, and he was a uh, he was a jester. I cannot remember the, his name. It's probably another crazy Polish name. Was he but... the only funny Polish person ever? <laughs> That's probably why he's so uh, probably. <laughs> but uh, like there was there was one instance I, I read about him where uh, <clears throat> the jester went with the king and his wife on this hunt, and the king released this bear in the woods uh, to to hunt. Well, the bear ended up like either maiming or killing the queen, and I think the jester made a joke about it, and <laughs> the the king was like. Dude, what the, what the fuck? And the and the jester was like, you know, you're the one who released a bear into the woods in the first place, and that that quote has just lived in in Polish <laughs> infamy, uh, because it's true. It's like yeah, do dumb shit, win stupid prizes, I, <laughs> right? But uh, but yeah. So I this goes back to what we were talking about with with Elon sort of being that that massive culture warrior, highlighting why free speech is necessary, why satire is necessary, why pointing out the bullshit with memes like Hunter Biden's bare ass looking at an FBI evidence board. That's the stuff that that's going to get through to people. Memes, memes have power. Meme magic is real. It's, it's, there's, there's so much truth that's just packed into memes and, and they, there's, it's like a chemical reaction almost when you see a meme, it it resonates in a different way from just reading an article or, or something like that. I I, I wish I could frame it in a better way, but that's how they always hit me. Totally. I, I, and I, I I love this sort of refrain where, you know, people in our community have seen comedians, a professional comedians uh, such as Dave Chappelle on down the line, obviously very famous to the truth community is George Carlin. Um, And, you know, we, we've all seen those viral clips and, I think that, you know, you, you use the term like a chemical reaction. There is really something, there's something about the mix of humor and truth that it, it's literally infectious. I had made a comment at Gart Irvine back in January that I, I referred to the truth community and the nuns and sort of shit disturbers like us and said, we are the virus now and there is no cure. And I feel that way about this kind of comedy, you know, this this trend. Um, the The brilliance of it is that 
you don't have to be. In fact, it's better if people are not trying to engage in political thought or cultural theory. They sit down and comedy just washes over you. It's either funny or it's not funny. It's binary. And I really believe that for something to be funny, it has to be true. And what I mean by that is it doesn't have to be literally true. We know that when you're listening to a comedy bit from Bill Burr or whatever, you know that the story they're telling is probably a mix of some kind of real world anecdote that they witnessed and it's being exaggerated. It might be an entirely invented scenario, but what is communicating to the audience is a true thing. It is a true feeling, a true experience. And this is why it's so effective, right? And uh, Just Human, you know, my defected co-host, he had said, he had very astutely pointed out that when Dave Chappelle was being recanceled again last year for his SNL monologue, where he had the audacity to uh, loop Hillary Clinton into Donald Trump's corruption, and he really went after the Clinton machine in that monologue, Kyle had said what Chappelle just did there is he gave a liberal audience social permission to laugh at their side. And when you talk about a jester, I think that that's great, that that's the power. That's that real power that a comedian has is they give permission to everybody to laugh at something. But when they're laughing at it, what they're also doing is they're recognizing it as true. They're admitting that it is right. true. Well, it's the reason they tried so desperately to cancel someone like Chappelle. And one of the reasons they really went after him was because they knew he was someone that already refused to bow uh, to their bullshit. You know, when he left the Chappelle show, when was it back in 2004, essentially all of that was over a contract negotiation where they were really trying to screw him over. And he was like, you know what? I'm done with, with all y'all done with Hollywood. I can't do this anymore. Uh, but God, he came back with a vengeance. Uh, and I think one of the things that I respect most about someone like Chappelle is, you know, when he first started with his, his trans jokes, they really came after him really hard uh and instead of backing down all he did was was double down on it i mean and he came back with some hilarious shit uh about the trans community and it made for great comedy because it's yep. look i mean like on its face the whole trans agenda is absolutely ludicrous and it's just yeah a, a wealth of material for for comedians like dave Chappelle. absolutely it's great to see all right. Well, this is uh, an adjacent segment. I touched on this earlier where uh, Limp Hollywood, where we highlight all the buffoonery and dumbassery coming out of the Hollywood corporate complex these days. And for me, that is. Oh, wait, recent... I, I uh, hold on. I didn't I didn't do my trend. I completely blanked. Oh, did I did I skip yours? Shit, I, I blanked. I, you tried to set me up there and I totally blanked on it. My bad. <laughs> I, I got so wrapped up in your trends that I, I didn't do mine. Um, okay. Like we said, my... folks, no one no one promised you an organized show. I, I just want to be clear about that. The rum started. I'm completely drunk. It is what it is. Uh, this is what people expect. See, the beauty of low expectations yeah. is that we can well, this never is what, This is what the viewers anybody. want, man. Exactly. Uh, my, trad tr- my trad trend is... Uh, Effective lawsuits. Lawsuits can be very effective. It's a famous term that Q supporters are well aware of. If you want to share my screen here, um, something that kind of coincides with the culture war, there's many examples that we'll probably bring up on this show. 
Uh, Disney hit with federal civil rights complaint over DEI, that's diversity, equity, and inclusion for those who don't know, alleges discrimination against white men, Christians, and Jews. And uh, the very, very fascinating little morsel in here that we'll get Kyle's Jimmy's rustling, John's Jimmy's rustling, America First Legal are the ones who filed this lawsuit. And America First Legal has a lot of former, former Trump administration officials that are leading this. We had Matt Whitaker, a lot of people involved with America First Legal. And it's weird. America First Legal seems to be going after all the worst woke corporations. You've got Elon Musk, speaking of him, going after Media Matters. Now you've got America First Legal going after Disney itself for illegal practices that they are alleging and discrimination. So, you know, the reason I bring this up as a trend is that it's such a white pill to me of the idea that there is a plan here whose complexity kind of boggles the mind unless you think it's a coincidence that the weak, that the Gemini anti-white racist AI is the most mimetic event on the internet that America First Legal comes out with a lawsuit about exactly that sort of thing against the biggest entertainment conglomerate in the world. I mean, if, if you think that's a coincidence, then you're dooming out a little too much. And that's what we're trying to show you here. Uh, these lawsuits can be very effective. And if America First Legal, I don't think America First Legal is trying to destroy the Disney Corporation. I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to set precedence so that any, any individuals who have been victims of these kind of practices, they can refer to these extremely famous, highly mimetic precedents that have been set and legal precedents that have been set going forward to go after these assholes. And what it does is it disincentivizes them from this DEI communist bullshit down the line. Yeah, and precedent matters, uh, especially in our extremely litigious uh, legal system in the U.S. But I think what I love about it the most is you're watching a boomerang of sorts, you know, because this is used to be the kind of stuff that they love to do. They they love to to weaponize lawsuits and things like like that. Now it's coming back to bite them in the ass. Uh, as far as you know, the the broader plan, you know, and how all of this it seems pretty obviously scripted, but at the same time, wondering how the hell that's even possible. What yeah. I would advise <laughs> people is. It's impossible to understand how the logistics of this are working. I, I I don't pretend to understand how they do it. What what I do know is that it's pretty blatant that this is planned at least to a certain degree, and it's pretty blatant that a lot of these people are acting. Whether whether we're talking about like Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis in in heels, you know that that's actually a great example of yeah of a scripted event in the sense that anyone who is running a half competent presidential campaign uh, that watches a tweet go viral of, you know, your candidate wearing high heels, what you do is you put a kibosh on that immediately. You're like, all right, we did this once. <laughs> right. We're obviously getting torn to shreds for this, but they didn't do that. He, he just strolled out there, you know, like he was at a, a drag show in his heels. And it, it's that kind of, it, it, like blatant dumbassery where you're just like, God, man, this seems deliberate. It's, I don't pretend to yeah, know man. how they're executing this, but it sure seems deliberate. 
It does. And uh, yeah, you know, you, at, at a certain point, you stop wondering why you're winning and you just appreciate that you are. Exactly. <laughs> I think part of the plan, you know, I think part of why it can seem so overly complex and coordinated is because, you know, there, there's the these people are stupid refrain. And sometimes I, I just think, you know, they're so predictable that patriots just know if they put the bait out there, Trump's a master of this, you, you bait them, you bait the trap, and they're going to run right into it every time because yep. they're a bunch of retards. They're a bunch of tranny retards, and it's like they're just gonna they're gonna run right in there after that bait. They're gonna they're gonna act just like the NPCs they are. The NPC meme, the reason it made them so angry is because it's true. Speaking of funny and speaking of memetic, it's true. They react based on stimuli in such a predictive manner, predictable manner, that um that's why they can't meme. That's why the left can't meme. And they'll never be able to. And that's the no. beauty of it. That we we do really have that sort of stick of truth where at the end of the day, we'll always be able to have the 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 meme warfare on our side. They'll then they'll yeah. never be able to contend with it. They can hit yeah. Trump with all the lawsuits they want, but they're not going to be able to do shit about the memes. And and good uh, call Pathfinder in the chat who says uh, Ron DeSantis also was keeping gay porn in his pocket during the debates. I mean, like come on, <laughs> you should, I I know you just can't do that, Ron. Like you gotta you gotta work with us a little bit. At least make it at least make it more of a struggle. <laughs> Poor Ron. Anyway, now we can get on him... to your. Uh... Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say I saw Ron trying to remain relevant the other day and on X, and it's sort of like, dude, just okay. Go, go to the corner. Go sit by the window mm -hmm. now. We're, we're done. We're now we've got your friend Nikki Haley. Uh, yep. We'll we'll let you know if we need you. Um, My secret little theory, because we play the white hat black hat games, right? And Kyle and I went back and forth for a long time with John, sort of thinking that it was probably more kayfabe more of a false feud between Trump and DeSantis. I'm much less confident than that these days. But, you know, I have to admit, still, the net effects of it did overwhelmingly help Trump. So I could see people like Chris and John being right about Ron DeSantis's origins and him not not being a clean MAGA guy. Um, but the funny thing is I could see a lot of this stuff being like a reverse humiliation ritual where it's like, hey, you can come over to our side, but you got to do the dunce walk. Yep. Like you got to do the elephant walk here. And you gotta, um, you gotta self-immolate. Then you can be, then you can be, go back to being a good governor, but you gotta, you gotta uh, take your lumps, take your licks. Uh, look and at Kyle us talking he's strategy. More confident in it now. Cause it is, it was so cartoonish. It's like, this seems a little It strange. is, it is. <laughs> um, and I know we promised we wouldn't talk about strategy and, and kayfabe too much on this show, but I don't know. We lie sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that being said, limp Hollywood, uh, I ran through it earlier, but this is where we highlight the dumbassery coming out of Limp Hollywood, which is coming out in spades these days. Uh, for me, that would be the latest season of True Detective, uh, season four. It's called Night Country. It stars Jodie Foster and some terrible Strong actress who looks like a dude. <laughs> yeah. um, I So I watched the first and second episode, and some of y'all might remember me tweeting about this. Uh, it, it, the, the, the dialogue and the writing it is so stilted and wooden. So Nick Palazzo, the original creator of true detective season one, he was a writer slash creator. He had nothing to do with season four. Uh, in fact, yep. I, I happened to see like a little promo for it from the writer slash creator of season four. 
go figure. It was a lady with blue hair. I can't, I can't remember what her oh name is. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. She oh. had horns too in the picture. Chris yeah. Paul was showing me this. Now, Chris I Paul like, and I, oh. this is our favorite, <laughs> arguably our favorite show ever is true detective season one. And um, yeah, this is total subversion. A total subversion and, and just absolutely an, an insult to the first season, which was a masterpiece in, of writing. Uh, I One of the things that, that kept it going for a little bit was they took this very hard supernatural spin on it in season four. Season one, it was a little bit more mystical almost you know yeah. where it, it nothing was flat out supernatural but it was always sort of you know putting you in that that supernatural headspace with outright saying so season four is just flat out like ghosts and and creepy shit popping up which actually worked for a little bit um yeah. i'm not gonna lie it was the only thing that kept me watching it, it, it that and the fact that there's literally nothing else on tv uh yeah but in episode six, it was a season finale. <laughs> Absolutely wrecked anything good that the show had done up until that point. Laughable. There's this one cringe scene. I I, I don't want to spoil anything for viewers. You can but, spoil woke trash. That uh, we have well, a rule it, here. it's it, it's all like you know whamming and like you know oh we're we're saving this Alaskan town. You know all the all the men in it basically are are, are total Evil. dumbasses or, yeah. or assholes. The only like good dude is some little bitch boy uh that they basically all slap around and jody foster and you know her sidekick navarro you know that this badass duo that doesn't give a fuck but i i think what really pissed me off about it is how they tried to hijack themes from the first season and make it work uh and it didn't and, and yeah. in case you're wondering by the way one of the uh the principal themes of this season is the spiral that you see oh, yeah. in the first season. Yeah. Now we all know that that's heavily associated with pedophilia and these pedophile cults. In fact, in season one, that's exactly what's going on. In Most season... base show ever made, arguably. Oh, a hundred percent. But yeah. in season four, uh, that spiral ends up being representative of some gay fossil or something. Wow. It, it, it wow. comes so they're to trying to subvert season one directly. It's... Exactly. And yeah. you know, the fact that, Hey, this is actually stood for, you know, a pedophilia cult. Now they're making it stand for some gay little fossil that's buried under the Alaskan eyes. It was so mm -hmm. stupid too, because they were making this symbol out to be something important or a big reveal uh, in season four. And then they wheeled that out and everyone was just kind of like, all right, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. You know, Nick Pizzolatto is the writer of season one. Pizzolatto, I kept saying Palazzo. Pizzolato, yeah, Nick Piz. Let me let me just Nick no Pizzolato. Um, he is uh he's the writer of season one, and uh, you know often we focus on directors when it comes to entertainment, uh, because you know they they put more of their mark on things, but sometimes it's the writer that really does shine through. And in True Detective season one, it was well directed. I think it was Kerry jo Joji Fukunaga. I could be wrong on that. Who directed season one? Visually great, you know, it's very artistic and everything. But man, it. it it, I would confidently say, and this means something for me because not only do I consume a lot of fiction, but um, I I am a writer and um, and I do not like police or detective procedurals. I hate them, actually. It's like my, they depress me. I don't think that they're clever. Um, I think that they're black pilly. I think True Detective season one is, as you said, it is a masterpiece. It is a masterpiece of fiction. It is philosophically masterful. 
intellectually masterful. It's well-made. It's brilliantly acted by Matthew McConaughey and uh, Woody Harrelson. Um, and it is chock full of red pills, M much more than red pills. I mean, if you're a Q person, if you went down the darkest path of the info war, you're going to see symbolism everywhere, everywhere. And they are not trying to subvert it. Nick Pizzolatto, the writer, is not trying to subvert that symbolism in those early seasons of the show. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, I track his career and... A lot of weird things happen with Nick where he gets put on these big he gets put on these big projects. Uh, Mar speaking of Marvel, Nick was hired to fix a script for Blade, the reboot of the Blade movie starring Mahershala Ali. I didn't know they were rebooting it. They were rebooting it with Mahershala Ali. Mahershala Ali was so pissed at the communist script, the first script, that he asked that Nick Pizzolatto be brought in to rewrite it. They agreed. They brought Nick in and then they rejected Nick's script. So we don't know what state it's in these days, but you know, it's, it, it's funny. They, he's sort of been marked, I think in Hollywood right now. And uh, I'm hoping that as we go into the future, um, ironically, <clears throat> Nick's stock is rising as a result of true detective season four. I'm somebody who's not going to subject myself to it, uh, because I knew he wasn't involved in it, but, uh, I like that his stock is retroactively rising even higher because of the comparison game that this season is making to it. But yeah, for anybody in the chat, like we can, we can turn this into a positive. Um, True Detective season four, woke trash, limp Hollywood. But man, True Detective season one, all timer, all timer. And I, I highly recommend rewatching it. Uh, I rewatched it again, probably for the fifth time uh, a few weeks ago. And it's amazing the stuff that you catch uh, upon rewatch that you didn't see originally. You want to mm -hmm. talk about symbolism and subtle things that, uh, Nick is trying to communicate to the viewer, at least in my opinion, definitely recommend it, uh, especially since it's such a dense and complex uh, thematically, at least show that when you rewatch it, I think it starts to resonate a little bit better. But anywho, let's uh, yeah. let's go to your choice for Limp Hollywood pick of the week. Yeah. Before we do, shout out to Kate Awakenings in the chat and zapping some trolls. Uh, we don't allow trolls on cultural heretics, but we do allow shitlords. So there's. Yes. I don't know if Kate, I think Kate understands. She's gone through the training. She knows the difference between a, a shitlord and a troll. So if you're <laughs> towing that line, be careful because she'll zap you out of there. All right, let's share my screen. Um, I did see Mrs. Bright earlier, but I think I'm safe now. And she will not be watching this uh, on replay. So I'm going to get myself in trouble. My limp Hollywood trend, I'm going, uh, going pretty literal here. There is a reboot coming called X-Men 97. It is a reboot or a sequel of the X-Men animated cartoon from the 90s, considered like super nostalgic for 80s and 90s kids, Wolverine and Cyclops and everything. But something from that original cartoon that many people are unaware of, especially parents, is that there's a term called cake. Have you heard this term? Julian's wrong. Yes, I, I, <laughs> I know where this is going. I'm just trying to get you in as much trouble as I am going to get in. So you screwed up right there by telling tell me you know what that is. Anyway, for people who don't know, for people who are more, you know, mature and or better people than us, cake refers to um, well-proportioned and endowed female characters. So if somebody's got the cake, they're, uh, they're doing well. And in the original X-Men cartoon, the character of Rogue... She was the cake of that show. 
Now in the I, reboot, I know I know the image still already in my head. <laughs> in the reboot of the X Men cartoon, they've decided to make her a modern interpretation of a woman, and this has set the '90s internet ablaze. And this short little clip I thought summed it up. Uh, give me a thumbs up if the audio works here. 97 decided to massively tone down the femininity of Rogue, who had been a bombshell in the original cartoon. Now they've given her an extremely flat rear end, as well as the uni boob, which has become one of the most common woke-drawn female body types meant to make women appear more androgynous. Making women androgynous and emasculating men is always a telltale sign of woke corruption. It is clear in everything these political lunatics touch, and is always the first thing to be changed once they're put into a position of power. All it does is turn real women off of their product, and make men wonder why they hate women so much that they would want to turn them into something they're not. Men. Being an insanely beautiful woman is as much a part of Rogue's character as her actual powers are. It was a major factor in the tragedy that is her power set in the first place, because not only does she want to touch someone, but many men throughout her life have wanted to touch her too, and it cost them their lives. You can't honestly look me in the eyes and tell me this is the same person. Yes. The directors of- <laughs> So, I, uh, yeah, it's a travesty for many reasons. But it's becoming mimetic, you know, it's it's the subversion is sometimes really in your face, like the stuff well, like, uh, you know, the example you just brought up with True Detective. But mm -hmm. sometimes the subversion is simple enough where it wasn't like the 90s X-Men cartoon was egregious or sexual or anything like that. It was just, you know what? Rogue had a nice ass and she had boobs like that's it. She looked like a woman. She wore a tight suit and boys liked watching that show, right? And girls liked it too, because girls thought that Rogue was, was a superhero and she was a strong woman and a cool character, and she's hot. And now right. they're doing the sequel and they've got to make her a man-chested, flat-assed plank, and she's probably going to be a lesbian or some shit. And, right. you know, it's just, it's just the, they can't give us anything, right? They can't even give us the cake, Julian's rum, um, so, you know. Well, it's, for it's the record, bad, but... why these comic books and it, it, the television series were like this is that it was obviously exaggerated features of masculinity and femininity, right? So on the masculine side, you would have dudes that were jacked to oblivion, which mm -hmm. obviously wasn't representative of reality at all. And then you would I mean, have like Rogue. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> uh, and, and then Rogue would be caked to oblivion because it represented heightened femininity. But... It was also sort of, to your point, one of her assets, uh, to use that phrase, because nice. it, 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 you know, it would draw unsuspecting men in, and then you know she would kick their ass or whatever. You actually kind of saw this happen. Uh, Kevin Smith did a, tried to do a reboot of He Man. Uh, I think it was a Netflix series like two years ago. For those who don't know, Kevin Smith he did like uh, Silent the Silent Bob. He did. Uh, clerks all that stuff but he's like yeah. a huge comic book geek well when he did the he-man series on netflix everyone was like dude this is terrible because he took yeah. all the women and made them into he-man like they were just yeah. like jacked and everyone's like no, dude no one wants to watch this we, yeah. we, we came here to see he-man and his his gorgeous batches like that that's yeah. that's what we want to see um <laughs> then of course kevin smith did the usual thing that all these directors do when everyone calls them out for their woke bullshit, which is to say, y'all are racist slash, you know, sexist, yada, yada, yada. But I think what I love about it is that that doesn't work anymore. People yep. are just like, okay, we, we know what you're doing. 
and Kevin that's, Smith is such a pirate. bitch, man. He can he we is. can pick him every week. That's such a good call. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I like that you bring the men up, right? At the risk of sounding gay, it's like my favorite <laughs> character in the original X Men was uh, Cyclops. Uh, I feel like he's been done really dirty in the Fox movies and everything, but he's like six four, made out of marble in the original right. comic books and in the cartoon. And it's like, yeah, boys like looking at that. They're like. I want a, a male, a masculine hero to be ripped out of his mind and ripping people to shreds for justice. Like, that's what I want, right? They finally got it right with Logan. You know, Hugh Jackman was always a good Wolverine, but the Logan movie is fantastic because of that. And you know what, girls, it's okay for the portrayal of a pop culture female to be sexual and to be hot. It's okay for girls to look at that because the, the point of Rogue's character wasn't that she was hot. It was like you said, that was a part of her tragic backstory is that she couldn't engage with anybody because of her mutant powers, right? She does the right thing anyway. She kind of like, she's a strong female character before that was a cliche term. Um, but yeah, again, the true tragedy of it is that we lost the cake and there's there's not much cake around these days in pop culture, so. No, the yeah. only time they'll, they'll, they wheel out cake now is like egregious, you know, like ice spice, you know, dress like a whore or Lizzo, yeah. you know, doing a pole dance, you know, but that's empowering for some yeah. reason versus, you know, a comic book hero being Absolutely. kicked up, but no run short on time here. Uh, let's jump into some hope on the horizon for Hollywood. Uh, I'll keep mine short because y'all probably already saw this uh, tweet from me. I think it was yesterday, the day before, uh, where I, I said diversity was working just fine when no one was talking about diversity. This is obviously a, a screen grab from the 1980s film Predator starring Arnold Schwarzenegger along with Jesse Ventura and a whole bunch of others. But Carl, uh, Weathers. It, it, Carl Weathers, exactly, who I think actually just recently passed away. But yes, uh, it, it's it's such a great it's such a peak 1980s film. Uh, a great watch. It's streaming on Hulu now, I think. Uh, that's what I was watching it on. For like the 180th time but why i love it too is that it's actually pretty accurate portrayal of how military units operated in the sense that you would have a bunch of black guys a bunch of white guys you know a few mexicans things like that and guess what none of that mattered to any of them yeah. and they and they didn't talk about it in the movie and they don't talk about it well at least they used to not talk about it in the military until now because no one's worried about that stuff when when you're in the shit or you're in the trenches those guys are your brothers and yeah. all that stupid you know like you know george Washington was actually black and yada yada like that goes right out the window all, all that matters is that's your countryman he's gonna fight for your life and you're gonna fight for his and that's exactly what you see come to life in the film predator uh and remember when we were talking about morgan freeman's quote last week when he's talking about the way to solve racism isn't, you know, Black History Month. It's to stop talking about it. If, right. you, if you just stop talking about it, you would be surprised how many of these problems would disappear. And of course, we all know the reason that they keep talking about it and inserting it into film, you know, television, etc., is because they want people at each other's throats over things like race. Because if we're all divided, then we can't actually see the who the true criminals are. Yeah, man. Predator is one of the all-time great movies. It's not just a guilty pleasure watch. It is a great movie. It holds up as a great movie. It's got some cheesy stuff in it. Uh, speaking of cake for women, movies full of cake for women. 
they, they, <laughs> they were very liberal on that uh that baby oil baby oiled those 80s dudes up sent them into the jungle and uh i'm all for it you know no homo you can watch predator and you can you can just wish you had a gatling gun and could just mow down half the jungle with that um, yeah. And I, I love the way you laid it out with the racist aspect, the, the anti-racist aspect of things. Um, but, you know, I'd, I'd put a slight spin on that, actually. I'd go one step further and say, you're right that, you know, in a military unit and a unit and a group of guys in the 80s and the 90s, whatever, nobody cares about the race. Nobody's really talking about it. But I would just adjust that and say, we would talk about it. Oh, yeah. We, but it would be like we, giving shit. Yeah. And, it, and I think that that's a key distinction of saying, in the movie, they do talk about it. And in a lot of these 80s movies and 90s movies, the Mexican guy, he's going to get made fun of for being Mexican. The white dude's going to get made fun of for being a colonizer. The black dude's going to get made made fun of for being a black dude, right? They're going to hit each other with racial stereotypes. And the irony of it is that the diversity is our strength crowd wants to pretend that we're all homogenous. And yet right. part of the brilliance and part of the, uh, part of the, the sort of meaning of highlighting the differences between people's races which exist is to celebrate that we're different it, it's what makes us unique and that's what makes the bonds mean more the fact that we can point this crap out right like i, I think we said last week i don't know if it was on this show or a different one but you know the, the modern woke cult they don't want to acknowledge that there's differences between white people it's like i'm irish you can tell i'm irish everybody right. knows i am right there's a difference between an irish dude a shit-eating wild man and a Pollock. That's why I make fun of them. But they made fun. They'd make fun of me for drinking rum at two o'clock on a on a Thursday exactly. and doing this crazy show. It's like this is diversity. It, ironically, is our strength, and uh, it's never been theirs. Well, I, I'm actually really glad that you pointed this out because it's a phenomenal, phenomenal point, uh, especially for our female viewers. If you're not aware, the way that men bond is giving each other endless shit and one of the, the you know it's always gonna be low-hanging fruit which is whatever makes you different that's what we're gonna give you shit about and then you're gonna give me shit about what makes me different uh and the reason i think that we do this i, I saw jordan peterson explain this once it, it's a way of keeping things at a low boil uh it, it, like taking the air out of the tires because if you're not always giving each other hell as friends what you're doing is kind of letting tension build up that threatens to break out into actual violence between each other. So that the reason that men sort of as a tribe are always giving each other hell from a psychological point of view is to maintain the peace. Yeah. And I, I know it seems counterintuitive, but it works. Uh, you know, we always joke. <clears throat> I actually saw Black Eye tweeted about this. He was like, are you even friends if you're not racist to each other? It's, I was going to say, you know, for, for like you said, for the ladies in the audience, it's like, I know a lot know this, but a lot don't, especially just judging on comment sections that we see. Um, if you if, if here's a pro tip, if you're a lady and your boyfriend or husband or fiance or whatever, and you bring him to meet the girl's boyfriend, you know, your friend's boyfriend or husband, and they're really friendly and polite to each other. Guess what? Your husband doesn't like that guy. Correct. Like the first time he meets him, that makes sense. You're feeling each other out. You don't know what the vibe is. But if you've hung out a bunch of times and your significant other who is a guy is not giving unbridled shit to the other guy, to your to your friend's husband, he doesn't like him. And he's just doing this for you. 
So just keep it in mind, because if you're really friends with each other, there's going to be endless hazing. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean. It, it's always funny, too, when, you know, I'll bring, especially my wife, when she met me and all my friends, she's like, God, y'all are absolutely brutal to each other. I was like, yes, yeah, because we love each other. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but she was also raised with all women. And I think, like, especially, you know, women who are who are raised with only sisters, it, yep. it's it's a rude awakening when they get thrown around boys clubs, but Hey, we have I just fun. got a, I just got so many husbands in trouble tonight because the, the <laughs> wives watching this show are going to be like, so Mark, do you like Tom? Like when we go to the winery, you like him, right? He's such a nice guy. Uh, and they're going to be like, I noticed yes. you're nice to Kevin. Do you hate him? Yep. <laughs> uh, my my way of saying this is I, I Mrs. Bright knows this. I, I never say like oh I mean I'll say it if I really hate somebody, but that's pretty rare. But I'll just say, yeah, not my kind of guy. Not my kind yep. of guy. Like there's nothing wrong with him. It's just not gonna give the vibe's not, not there. Not my kind of guy. Yeah. All right, my uh my Holly Hope. I've got a, a short little thing here. We can go over a little bit. We don't have somebody right on top of us. Um before we get out of here. There is a, I have not seen this yet, so this is a risk. But I'm gonna I'm gonna provide some Holly Hope to a series, a limited series that's coming out next week. If you want to share my screen here, can watch a short little um, clip of Shogun. So Shogun is a limited series coming next week to uh, Hulu and FX. It is based on the novel. I'm sure a lot of people in the audience have read the novel Shogun. Um, I've heard good things about it and not just good things in terms of it seems like a good show, but not woke propaganda. Shockingly, this is going to shock everybody. There are Asians in this movie. There are <laughs> even strong female characters in this movie. And there's white dudes. Oh. And all of them have different character arcs, and some of those character arcs are good and some of them are bad. Uh, but anyway, I've heard that this is just a pretty true adaptation of James Clavill's classic Shogun. You've got my boy Hiroyuki Sanada in the title role there, one of the one of the all-time bangers of a Japanese actor. Glad to see him getting his due. So I'm looking forward to a diverse TV show that is just about samurai doing cool samurai shit um looking forward to it and uh yeah so i just wanted to put that on some people's radar check it out i think it comes out uh next thursday or friday i uh i saw this too i i'm super excited about this medieval japan fascinates me i yep. the last samurai is one of my favorite movies i know it's a little bit of a tom cruise cheese but it's good there's just something about their warrior society the warrior cast you know everything that you know, happened when they encountered uh, European colonists. I'm, I'm assuming it's probably like the Dutch or the Portuguese that are, are going to be featured within the, uh, the series, but I really hope they don't flood this. I think one of the things that makes me concerned about it, other than the potential for it to go woke is the fact that it's on FX. Uh, you know, sometimes I like 
when these shows are featured on HBO because then they get a little bit more wiggle room to be right, more gritty, right. et cetera. But at the same time, Max has been pumping out some pretty shit woke content. And I'm sure True. that if it were to come out on Max these days, they would make them, you know, all the samurai would be gay and, uh, yeah. you know, the, the Did you know all samurai out. were gay, Julian Tron? I mean, that's <laughs> what I've we, let's let's invert that now. Uh, before oh. we get out of here, I got a few rants I can go through from our supporters. We're ready for that. Did you have something else? No, man. All right. We had Boozer Twenty said, uh, "I thought Julian's throw blanket was moving, but turns out it was a dog. He definitely he, he definitely looks to be high energy." <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, I Brogant. forgot to point out the fact that I was uh, accompanied by my little boy today. <laughs> Brogent sends a couple over, sends 10 bucks over, says Yellowstone's 1923 spinoff is one of those shows that rug-pulled Yellowstone fans, expecting cowboy action, and it was unwatchable due to nonstop useless sex scenes. Rad trend remake, uh, redo Pablo Escobar narco Narcos series, but using the Joe Lang Bush family articles. Ooh, well, first one first. Um, I'm working my way through the original Yellowstone series. I haven't gotten to 1923, but I did. I would want to ask you, Brogent, with these sex scenes, is there cake? Because if there's cake, you know, we might might be having a different conversation. Isn't isn't Faith Hill in the 1923 one? I I know I she's know. in one of those Yellowstone prequels. Yeah, I'm not sure, but yeah. And then uh, in terms of uh, Pablo Escobar Narcos remake using Joe Lang series. Yes, please. Uh, Chris and I were talking about that the other night, you know, just the the the, uh, the info washing of cartel, the truth about cartels and all that kind of stuff and the drug trade. They uh, they, they make their little cute asides at the CIA, but they don't get into the nitty gritty like they really should. Like Sicario does. Great movie. Uh, Veritas8541 became a Badlands supporter. That's that's great. We appreciate that. It helps all the shows out. Um, Elfrec4 sent 50 bucks over. And said, uh, hi guys, oh my gosh, Julian's rum, woohoo, I've been following you for a long time on Telegram, where you have heard thousand times already, been following John since before he was doxxed. She sent a couple of other little messages, um, but oh, I don't have them here. I, I saw her say that she liked me the best, so I'm just going to paraphrase. Oh yeah, that sure, sure. Like me the best, uh, he or she, but thank you, thank you very much for the support there. want to make Julian's rum's head bigger. There's always room. <laughs> and uh yeah if anybody is watching on replay and you guys want to shoot a badlands boost over we will get that next week but otherwise i think that's our shit lordery for the afternoon i think it was that suitably is... unprofessional and went off the rails several times as is custom as is custom well thanks again y'all for joining us we will see you next week uh, on thursday at 2 p.m until and then I will, yep I, I will i will modify our ending instead of using our catchphrase I'm going to borrow from the chat and say, let them have cake. Let them have cake. Let them have cake. Please, can we have cake? <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week.